Amen. Please turn with me to Romans 6, verse 1. And while you're doing that, I also want to praise the Lord for my friend and brother, Elder John Patton, for presiding over service on today. Uh, Y'all can do better than that. Amen. You all. I know he makes it look easy. Amen. But I have seen many a brother's head melt when they get up here on the pulpit. They forget their own name sometimes. <laughs> but now that you found the word, let us read. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who die to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness, of life. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading, hearing, and doing of his word. Let's give the Lord another praise for his word on today. Now, maybe about three years ago, I made a decision that I was really going to do better about my health and get into better shape. I also want to praise the Lord for our online family out there. I love you all. Thank you so much for logging on. Let's praise the Lord for our online family. I didn't mean to forget you all. I feel your prayers even though you are not here with us in the room. But I made that decision about three years ago that I was really going to do better about my health and get into shape. I started cleaning up my diet a bit to a huge degree, or Lady Deandra might uh, contest that a little bit, but I at least started reducing my portions. Instead of the bacon double cheese, I would just get the single cheeseburger. <laughs> Instead of the full sub sandwich at Johnny's Pastrami, I would get the, the half sandwich, amen. And, Instead of eating the whole large pizza, I would leave maybe two slices there. Amen. I feel better in my spirit, amen. But you got to control the portions, amen, praise the Lord. <laughs> but I started doing that and not eating as much as I used to when I was younger. Seems like when I was younger, I used to be able to eat as much of whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted and keep right on going, not missing a beat. Well, I don't know exactly when this happened, but I guess sometime around the mid to late 30s, things seemed to change somehow. I found that I wasn't nearly as physically active as I used to be when I was in college. Sometimes, somehow, it seems like all of that eating as much of whatever I wanted 
whenever I wanted, started sticking to me in ways that I didn't exactly appreciate or wanted to. Y'all don't know anything about that, I could tell you. Well, I'm just going to talk about me then. It seemed like overnight some, some gremlins snuck into my closet and moved all my buttons over to the left on all of my clothes. What in the name of Jesus is happening here? The Lord increased my territory in ways that I did not want him to. Elder Vizi told me a joke about a, about a guy who prayed to the Lord. He said, Lord, in the name of Jesus, this year I want you to bless me with a fat bank account and a small waistline. Please don't mix it up like you did last year. <laughs> but the Lord increased my territory in ways that I did not pray for him to increase it in. But I'm at the age now when I have friends of mine that have passed away and others that have been dealing with some distinct health issues. You know, sooner or later, if you live long enough, you're going to get to an age where your brothers and sisters who grew up around you are going to have certain challenges. You know when you're getting to a certain age. So with all of that in mind and a desire to be healthier, I started exercising more and really adjusting those portions. But one of my favorite things to do would be to walk and jog around the neighborhood that the Lord had just recently blessed us to move into some years ago. And since during that time we were still wearing masks everywhere, I had fun walking around looking at my new neighbors in relative anonymity. Every once in a while, I would have the mischievous pleasure of seeing one or two of West Angeles's members living their everyday lives, <clears throat> not even knowing that it was me walking by in the middle of their argument. <laughs> well, I had made it to a little bit more than five miles every other day when I started feeling a, a pain in my hips. More on the right hip. It was hurting in both hips, but really more on the right. When I was younger, I played football, did lots of running and lots of martial arts. So I guess at 50 to 51 years old, it started catching up to me since I started being so active again after such a large break and a lull in inactivity. Well, on March 2nd, 2021, on a Sunday, after we streamed services, I went out for one of my walks. And after that, the, the, the pain, the pain didn't go away. I would stretch it and nurse it, but it would still give me problems. And after a while, I went to the doctor and, you know, she prescribed therapy for me. And they treated me in that way with therapy for close to another year. But things never got better, though. So eventually, I went to a specialist. And 
By the time that I eventually made it to the specialist, he looked at my x-rays and looked at my chart, and he very quickly and casually told me that the cartilage in both of my hips had completely worn away, and that I would need to have total hip replacement surgery, both hips. Now, it's hard to describe how being told something like that feels. There was so much that was going on, so much change that seemed to be happening around me. Chief among those changes was the fact that, obviously, I was not getting any younger. It seemed like the news could not have come at a worse time. I was continuing and still wanting to support Bishop in his recent disclosure of his Parkinson's diagnosis. While he was making this announcement, all of that was going on up here in my mind and in my thoughts. We're still in the midst of a major construction project, and the Lord is doing some great things right behind us in the Family Life Center. There was still so much happening in my life around me, personally and in the lives of our church. But life, like the weather, does not feel the need to check in with us to schedule the most convenient times to do what it does or move us to different places. Soon after that, we were in the midst of planning my pastoral installation. I was continuing to work and seek the Lord's face and to become even more familiar with all of the, the dynamics and the nuances of soon becoming pastor of this wonderful church, of which it is the great honor of my life to serve. Preaching every Sunday. Still pushing forward, onward. Some of you may have noticed me limping around when I would be up here preaching even for the last year and a half or so. But the truth of the matter is that I would be dealing with excruciating pain every time that I would be up here ministering. Someone would be like, hey, uh, I see you limping a little bit. I'd be like, man, I know. I know I'm hurt. I don't need you to tell me I'm limping. I know I'm limping. Excuse me. But there was never a moment when I did not feel the pain. Even when I was concentrating on something else or trying to concentrate on something else, it would remind me that it was there. The pain became my constant companion. I would see people walking here and there kids running and playing and even senior citizens jogging down the street and I would be a little jealous. I remember when I could do that, I would think. The pain was taking over every aspect of my life. I was just, I was just tired of hurting. I just wanted the pain to stop. Anyone knows what that feels like?
Even in the middle of all of that, the Lord let me know that he was faithful, though. You see, my surgery was scheduled for last November 30th. But in the weeks leading up to the date of my surgery, along with the continuous, consistent pain that I was feeling in my hips, I developed a toothache. That keeping in line and in pattern with everything else in my life started screaming louder and louder in my life. Now, since so much was going on, I had planned on getting my tooth looked at after my surgery, which was scheduled on November 30th, just last November. Well, my tooth started hurting even more by the time that I preached on Sunday, November 27th. I remember I preached so close so far. But I got up that day and came to the pulpit, marched up to this very spot to preach. Hip hurting, tooth hurting, head hurting, just hurt. <laughs> when y'all saw me smiling that day, it was delirium. Amen. <laughs> But I made it through that sermon, powered through. The next day, since the tooth started hurting even more and it was hurting even more, I figured that I needed to call my dentist to get in to see him because I knew I was about to be having surgery that Wednesday and I didn't want to be recovering from my hip surgery with my tooth hurting that bad. I knew I would be uncomfortable. So I get in to see my dentist. And he tells me that I had a tooth infection and that they needed to remove the tooth immediately, right then and right there, which was, shall we say, a ridiculously unpleasant experience in its own right. I laid there in the dentist chair while he was grinding and scraping away, thinking, Oh, Lord, great. More pain. That's, that's such a blessing. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> well, on his instructions, I called my surgeon's office the next day to let him know that I had had my tooth removed and that I was taking antibiotics to deal with, a, with the tooth infection. They called me back after a couple hours and they told me that they had postponed my surgery because they wanted me to continue getting better and run the course of those antibiotics. Now, at the time, I didn't understand. I was ready to get the surgery done. I was tired of living with the pain. I had gotten my mind ready, and now, wait a couple more days. I wasn't happy with having to postpone. But here's the thing. If I had decided to wait until after my surgery to see the dentist, I would have gotten on that operating table with infection in my body. And it would have spread to my organs. And I was told that my life possibly could have hung in the balance. My friend and deacon and doctor, Dr. Alfred Glover, where are you, Dr. Glover? I know you're in here somewhere. He might be counting offering because 
He's on his post. Hello, hello, Lady Angela. But Dr. Glover told me, when he's around here, I say Deacon Glover. When we're talking outside, he's Dr. Glover. But Dr. Glover told me that that could have been catastrophic if you had gone into surgery with that infection. So sometimes I learned then that sometimes the Lord even uses your pain to save your life. Sometimes we have to know that, and someone needs to know that your pain isn't always punishment. That there is purpose to your pain sometimes. Somebody give the Lord praise in here on today. We're going somewhere. Stick with me. But let me get back on track. I went on and had the surgery last December 7th. A month and a day ago to today, just last month. And through the faithfulness of the Lord, things went well. Amen. Here I am. No infection. Things went very well, they told. But the interesting thing is now that I have had my surgery and I am in recovery, I will still find myself walking the way I used to walk to avoid the pain, even though the pain has not been exactly like it was. I had gotten into the habit of walking, moving, and living a certain way to minimize the pain that I was going through for all of that time. The pain is something that I had gotten used to living with. Doesn't that sound strange? I actually got used to living with pain. I got used to not being able to walk the way I used to walk before my pain. Since I had been walking like that for more than a year and a half, I had gotten used to walking that way. Let me say it another way. The reason for the pain is gone. But in my mind, I have to get used to the pain being gone. I mean, I'm, I'm still recovering, but I have to learn to walk again so to speak. So with that in mind, let's read our text again. Romans 6, 1 and 4 through 4. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, and here it is, beloved, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. The title of our time today, my friends, is Learning to Walk 
again. Say it with me. Learning to walk again. Now, Romans has been held as one of the most comprehensive epistles on Christian doctrine. It could be looked at as Christianity in a nutshell. It has been said that if you want to know what Christianity is and what Christianity is all about, read Romans. In our text, Paul is expressing to the believers in Rome the essence of their relationship to their old lives and to sin. That after they have been healed and blessed with new life, that they should walk in newness of that new life. That they shouldn't have the same lameness, the same limp that they had before they were touched by Jesus, before they were healed. He was saying to them that they have to learn how to walk again. Jesus wants to teach us all how to walk again. Now, there are so many accounts of Jesus touching those that were blind and lame and paralyzed and afflicted with leprosy that it would be impossible to know just how many people Jesus healed in his ministry. I'm pretty sure that there's more than a few internet theologians out there that can get online and tell me that there are more than 40 to 50 scriptures that tell of Jesus healing people, but even those can be very inconclusive. You see, when you pull those scriptures up, the majority of them read like Matthew 9 and 35, what says, then Jesus went about all of the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. No number given there. Or they read like Matthew 12 and 15. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. No count given there. Or Mark 6 and 56, wherever he entered into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and he and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made well. No number given there. I know that when we usually talk about Jesus healing someone, we usually key in on those individual healing miracles like the woman with the issue of blood or the lame man at the pool of Bethsaida, the ten lepers, or the one or the two to three blind men that, that wouldn't be quieted by the crowd that, that cried out, Son of David, have mercy on us. Or we remember the lame man whose friends pulled off the roof of the house where Jesus was and lowered him down into the house where he was made whole. But when we really look at the scriptures that speak of Jesus healing people, there's really no way 
we can possibly really know how many people he actually healed. How many people whose lives were over and he gave them their lives back. Now, since the majority of us here and online have lived out our lives relatively healthy and able to use our limbs, you don't necessarily know what it is to be lame or sick, or blind for most of your life, and then all of a sudden, one day, you've been given the ability to walk. You've been given your life back. We don't know what effect it has on the mind of someone who has had to live out their entire existence with an affliction that keeps them from living a normal life, and then boom, you're healed. We don't know what that's like. All of those people that Jesus healed went away with their lives drastically different than what they were before they came in contact with him that day. They woke up that morning afflicted, blind, lame, or with a terminal disease, came in contact with Jesus sometime that day and went to sleep that night healed of something they had been dealing with for their entire life. Try to imagine that. We can imagine what their lives were like before they were healed, but what we haven't really thought about is after their lives were changed, after they were healed. What is it like to live with something so painful and debilitating for so long, almost all of your life, and all of a sudden be healed? What is it like to pray for something over and over and over again, and then that prayer be suddenly answered? How do you live in your healing? How do you now live in your blessing. Now, the funny thing is that many of us have been hurt in life and living with the pain that has occurred in our lives. No matter who you are, if you've been alive for any period of time, you've had to live with some kind of pain. Pain from addiction. Pain from abuse, pain from abandonment, pain from the regret of a bad decision, pain from loss, pain from loneliness, pain from heartache. To live is to know some kind of pain. And as we've gotten closer to God, we may have, through the Spirit, been made aware of our pain and how it is affecting our lives. We may have come to a time where we've been healed in our lives and in our spirits, but we have lived with the pain for so long that we got used to walking and living in that pain. We got used to moving and reacting and living certain ways to minimize and avoid our pain. 
God may have set us free and given us everything we need to walk in his strength and victory, but sometimes we still walk with a limp because of the pain that we were used to living with in the past. We still have a tendency to walk the way we used to walk because it was the way we were used to walking. But when God does something new in our lives, we realize that we have to learn to walk again. Hallelujah. We're going to have to learn to move differently than we were used to moving in the past. We have to learn and walk and move in the spirit and in the way that he would have us walk in this time to make it to where he would have us go as we move into the future. See, I used to think that it was such an odd question for Jesus to ask the man that had been laying in the pool of Bethesda for 38 years if he wanted to be healed. In my mind, I'm like, of course he wanted to be healed. What kind of question is that? But I didn't know how easy it is to get used to living with pain. Whenever Jesus asked someone if they wanted to be healed or if they believed that they could be healed, Jesus was wanting to know how used to living in sickness and pain that person was. He needed to know if that person could see themselves living beyond their pain and affliction. Some of us can't see life beyond our pain. He needed to know if there was any hope or desire in them to be whole. Because take it from me, when you've been living with pain for a long time, sooner or later you get used to it. Sooner or later it becomes a part of you. And you don't know who you are without the pain. Again, I know we like to focus on Jesus as the healer, but I'd like to take a look at those who he healed. Everyone that Jesus touched and healed had to learn how to live again, had to learn how to walk again. They had gotten used to living with the pain of their affliction and all of a sudden they get touched by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and they had to change their perspectives on life. Life now looked different. They had to change their habitual way of thinking, their way of living. It might not have been so easy for those possibly thousands of people who Jesus healed to just walk into their new lives. You could have been living in that loveless marriage for years and years. No affection. No tenderness. Caught up in a daily routine of if you were not ignoring each other, then you were fighting like cats and dogs. Life with this person and marriage with this person has turned into a cold, lonely war. Sleeping with this person but still feeling alone. And you both get used to living in that emotional 
coldness and emotional combat. You've both prayed over and over for God to fix your marriage. And guess what? One day, he does. You walk in one day and your spouse is sweet to you. And your spouse continues being sweet to you. But if you're too locked into limping along and moving in a way to avoid the pain that you were used to, you won't be able to walk in the victory of that healed marriage. Both of y'all have to learn how to walk again. You have to learn how to walk again after you are healed. I know I'm in somebody's business, so we're just going to keep it moving. Hallelujah. But things were no longer the same for the people around or closest to those that were healed. When people around the newly healed or delivered person would see them walking and healed, they would marvel. They would say, isn't that the guy who used to be lame? Isn't that the guy who used to be blind and begging and destitute? Isn't that that guy? No, that's not him. It is that that's guy. Yeah. Sometimes not everybody will celebrate with you when you've been healed. Sometimes they won't. You know how we are. You see, we like to define each other by our ailments. Oh, that's Bob. Yeah, he cheated on his wife. Oh, 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 yeah, that, 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 that's Susie Mae. She was an alcoholic. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's Bill. He was strung out. Or that's, that's Sarah. Yeah, she just is an ex-convict. Yeah, you know, she was just an ass. They like to define you by your limp because it makes them feel better about being used to their pain. Every once in a while, they'll even try to remind you of the time when you were lame. I know it sounds strange, but not, not everybody would rejoice and celebrate. Some of those around you may have gotten used to you being lame or afflicted in your life and in your spirit. And just like you got used to and settled into your pain, they might have gotten settled into the pattern of having to live with someone that was in pain or afflicted or addicted. But now that you're alive and whole, they too have to recalibrate their whole perspective. They have to learn how to treat you like a person that is now well. Before, they were used to treating you and seeing you like you couldn't make it on your own, like you couldn't walk. They may have even gotten used to being needed by you. Being needed by someone brings a certain kind of validation in and of itself. Oh, yeah, they, they need me. I am needed. And even though they have been wishing and praying that they didn't have to clean up after you, or they prayed every day for an end of what they were having to do to take care of you, now that you're healed, they don't quite know what to do about themselves. They might have gotten used to living with their own pain in response to your pain 
and now they've developed their own limp. So as you pray for the Lord to teach you how to walk again, you're going to have to pray that they learn how to walk again with you. But even if they do not learn how to walk again, you walk in the newness of life. You keep right on strolling. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, If any man or woman be in Christ, they are a new creature. Old things, old things pass away, and behold, all things become new. Someone here needs to know that with Jesus in your heart, you will have the power to walk right. You'll have the power to talk right. Jesus came so that you would have life and life more abundantly. You can learn to walk again. Even though life may have left you crippled in your hearts and emotions, he can heal you. You can learn to walk again. You can be whole. He said, I make everything new. You don't have to carry that pain with you. You can be free in Jesus' name. You can learn to walk again. The world may have left you beaten and crippled on the side of the road, but he said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You can learn to walk again. Deuteronomy 5 and 33, you shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you that you may live and it may be well with you. You can learn to walk again. But those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Oh, let's give the Lord praise in here today. Hallelujah. Everyone's standing. Everyone's standing. I'm through. Give him praise on today. Hallelujah. Give him praise. You can learn to walk again. You can learn to walk again. You can learn to walk again. In the name of Jesus, you can learn to walk again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm, there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. Break every chain, break every chain. Oh, sing it with me. Hallelujah. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. 
you can learn to walk again. We are all learning to walk again. There may be someone here that has gotten so used to their pain that they think that it is part of who they are. On the outside, you look just fine, but on the inside, you are just limping along. You are walking, moving, and living in a certain way to minimize the pain that you're going through. But you can learn to walk again. Jesus came, died, and rose again so that you can have life and life everlasting. Whatever your pain is, you don't have to carry it with you anymore. You can be free. You can be free. You can learn to walk again. And if you just want to touch from the Lord, if you just want to touch from the King of kings and Lord of lords, just come down here. Just come down to the altar. There's no judgment because all of us are living with some kind of pain. Don't let someone stand there with their nose up and let you think that they are not living with some kind of pain. If you are living with some kind of pain, if you feel that you are just limping along, if you are dealing with the pain of loneliness, of abandonment, of abuse, even if it happened years ago in your life, you can learn to walk again. Just come down to the altar. We want to pray with you. We love you. We love you. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is There's an army rising up. There's an army rising up. There's an army rising up. Break every chain. even though all of us are wounded warriors, wounded healers, our God would not have us limping to the battlefield. He needs us strong. He needs us to be able to march into the future that he has for us. He needs us to be salt 
and he needs us to be light, but he needs you to be whole. You can learn to walk again. I praise the Lord for these brave souls who had the courage to come forward and face their pain. To stand here and look it straight in the eye. Because we all are learning to walk again. So right now we're going to pray. If you realize that you need Jesus in your heart, if you are not saved, we want you to come down you here too. This is the beginning of your life. You may have been dealing with your pain all of your life, but there is healing right here. Our Heavenly Father, our Savior wants you to have life and life more abundantly. He wants you to live in victory. So let's pray. Dear precious Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that we are learning to walk again. We want to thank you that even though there are so many of us that are used to living in pain, that in you there is healing. We want to thank you that we can learn to walk again. We want to thank you that you have given us the victory in your son's name. So Father God, I pray that you would surround your children at this altar with your purpose and your presence. That you would strengthen their legs. That you would continue to heal them and give them the strength to walk forward into your purpose with destiny and power. Father God, we thank you that we can learn to walk again. We thank you that you have been faithful in your mercy, faithful in your presence, that you have kept us covered with your purpose. Father God, please connect us with who we are in you. Help us to see ourselves as you see us. Help us to see ourselves as whole. That even though we all might be recovering from our pain, that you are faithful. That there has been purpose in our pain. That you are going to carry us through into tomorrow. Please repeat after me. Dear precious Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son to die for our sins. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. I believe that he came down to die for our sins. I believe that he arose again from the dead. And I accept him into my heart right now. And I am learning to walk again. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Somebody give the Lord praise on today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Well, as you're going, if you're already saved, you can return to your seats. But if you have accepted Jesus Christ into your heart on today... We want to spend a little bit of time with you. If you want to join West Angeles, I believe that this is a beautiful church, but I might be a little biased. But you know what? West Angeles is the best church in the world. You should join West Angeles. Amen. But if you want to join West Angeles, 
Just come on down here. We want to spend a little bit of time with you. We want to walk with you. We want to surround you with love. We want to stand with you. We just want to get a little bit of information from you. We want to know who you are. We want to pray with you. So if that is you, just come down. My friend and brother, brother Tyrone Petrie is right down here. If you can just get on down here, we want to get a little bit of information with you, from you, and we just want to stand with you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain, break every chain. Let's give the Lord praise for his word on today. We thank you so much for coming out to be a part of what God is doing. You can learn to walk again. Let's stand up and pray. Hallelujah. Dear precious Heavenly Father, We want to thank you that we can stand together in you. 